uh, through the word tonight. All right. Thank you. Thank you. It is a Saturday night in the suburbs of Chicagoland. There are a lot of options you could have chosen. You chose to be here. So that is excellent. And so we thank you for being here and worshiping with us here tonight. Isn't it cool to kind of know what God's up to? Right? You're seeing student ministries talking about the students themselves, talking about what God's doing. You're hearing from uh, Nicole with the kids and with Mark and the men. It's, it's just good to know what's up. Right? It's good to know what's up and what God is doing here. So uh, I'm, just, I'm just excited to hear those testimonies tonight. Now, Lauren and uh, Matthew, you know, they're sharing about our trip, our retreat up to Expeditions Unlimited last week. We were in Baraboo, Wisconsin. So, as we're up there last week, rock climbing, which we did for, I don't know, a couple hours, we canoed eight miles, which kind of was like two and a half to three hours combined. We also camped out on a sandbar. We were in the Wisconsin River on a sandbar. Now, on sandbars, there's no running water. There, there's water going by, but it's the river. Right? So, of course, you're on the sandbar, and we get there at about 5 o'clock on a Friday night, and we're spending the night there. And so, when nature calls, you have to kind of think outside the box. And I'm not going to mention up here tonight what the guides called the specific area we would go to. You can talk to our students. It was called Blank Tent, okay? Um, yeah, so we would go there, and... Uh, yeah, you've got imaginations. You take care of it from here. And so as I'm up there this last week with the students, there's like 12, 15 of us, and I thought, well, maybe my life first, I should change it when I got back Sunday to, you know, Philippians 4.13. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Yes, I did it. Or maybe this one from Job. But those who suffer, he delivers in their suffering. He speaks to them in their affliction. So, yeah, I had the thought, maybe I'll switch it up in light of our experience, which it was an awesome experience. It was an awesome experience. Have you ever noticed when you go into the Christian bookstores, like the mugs and the shirts and the hats and the pens, the plaques, uh, the little testaments? I mean, it seems like a lot of things get a verse put on them nowadays. Okay, um, here are some verses that perhaps would be unlikely candidates to be put on some of those items. These I would call unlikely candidates for a quote-unquote life verse. If any of these verses I'm about to read, if assist your life verse, I'm very sorry. Um, but I, I'm just, I, I looked through some verses. The Bible has a lot of things, a lot of truth, a lot of teaching, and there's a lot of variety in the scripture. These, again, I would call unlikely candidates for life verse. Are you ready? Okay, you don't have to write these down. You don't have to find them. It's okay. Proverbs 26, 11. As a dog returns to its vomit, so a fool repeats his folly. Just saying. Psalms 102.6, I am like a desert owl, like an owl among the ruins. <laughs> it's in the Bible. Song of Songs, oh, careful. Chapter 2, verse 5, strengthen me with raisins, refresh me with apples, for I am faint with love. Okay, 
We'll try a few more. Ecclesiastes 10.8. Whoever digs a pit may fall into it. Whoever breaks through a wall may be bitten by a snake. Proverbs 11.22. Like a gold ring in a pig's snout is a beautiful woman who shows no discretion. Proverbs 25.16. If you find honey, eat just enough. Too much of it, and you will vomit. Last one. And, and Mark, I'm going to imagine you are never, ever going to use this verse on any shirt, any mug at a Men of Valor event. See if you agree with me and everyone else. Finally, again, unlikely candidates for life verses. Proverbs 27.15. A quarrelsome wife is like a constant dripping on a rainy day. Probably, yeah. Mark, no? Not so much? Oh, okay. Quarrelsome, too many words, too many consonants and vowels, not going to happen. So those are unlikely candidates. Here's actually my life verse. And just to give you some background on this, when I was in high school, senior year, I had my friends, did my thing. I would be in church, walk out of these doors, and then be someone else. And I came to a crisis point in my life, my senior year, came to a point where the Holy Spirit convicted me and yet lifted me up in such a way where I came to a moment of decision and I prayed. I prayed for Jesus Christ to come in to my life, to direct my life, to forgive me of my sins, get me on a new journey. So I prayed that prayer and it was just a few months after that decision I came across this verse in the book of Galatians. Galatians chapter 2 verse 20. My life verse. I have been crucified with Christ, and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself up for me. Pretty cool that Pastor Joe mentioned that was a verse that was kind of sent in by, by maybe a lot of you. And I know for me personally, that verse just talks about what took place, what's true now, why this is true, and how I am now living. Galatians 2.20, my life verse. Now this book of Galatians, it's a really small book. I would encourage you to read through this book. It has a total of six chapters. Probably take you 20, 25 minutes of uninterrupted time to read through this book. A man named Martin Luther, ever hear of him? This book, along with Romans, very influential in his life, so much so that it was something called the Reformation. That was the spark that lit the flame to that. And the world's never been the same since. This book is very influential on, on Martin Luther. And so, in this book, we've got a crisis going on in this church in Galatia. The church has come into existence because of the Holy Spirit has been working because a guy by the name of Paul came to these folks and he preached the gospel. Jesus Christ. Period. To these people. He left. And in his absence, false teachers came in. And false teachers started to preach a false gospel to these people. And Paul writes to them in this book to remind them what the gospel is and to also remind them of everything it is not. 
in this letter. And the people here, they're at risk of turning to a different gospel, which is really, it's no gospel at all. Not at all. So Paul writes this letter to remind them about what makes them justified in God's eyes. And he wants them to know that it's Jesus Christ, period. It is not Jesus Christ plus this, and plus that, and plus this, and plus that. It is Jesus Christ, period. This little book called Galatians, and my life verse here that's kind of tucked away halfway through this letter. So I want to just unpack things in the time that I have here, just four parts to this verse. I want to encourage you, if you've got your sermon notes out there in your bulletin and that, got a pen, something handy, and um, I'm going to look at four areas here. I'm praying that the Holy Spirit's going to have some takeaways that we can take out of here, and that God's going to deposit some, some truth and some things that will impact us, maybe remind us of some things that we've forgotten in our walk with Christ. So four sections to this, going back again to Galatians 2.20. First part of this verse, I have been crucified with Christ. Whoa, what is that? Jesus was crucified. Yeah, I, I'm good on that one. I have been crucified with Christ. What is that talk? That's a little cryptic. I don't know where he's going with that. Galatians 5.24. And the verse is on the screen. Galatians 5. Chapter 5, and it's going to be verse 24. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the sinful nature with its passions and desires, okay? There's a guy by the name of Dietrich Bonhoeffer. How many of you have ever heard of Dietrich Bonhoeffer? Just put a hand up real quick. He had this one statement, and he said this, When Christ calls a man, he bids him to come and to die. When Christ calls a man, he bids him to come and to die. Powerful. And that man himself lived that out. He lived that statement. I have been crucified with Christ. When I, when any of us chose the forgiveness that Jesus offers to us, that sinful nature in us, you know the junk, the mess, the thoughts, the stuff inside of us, that sinful nature when we've got choices and we're kind of prone to the bad choice instead of the good. Paul says to the church here, he says to us, when we chose the gospel, when we embraced Jesus Christ and what he did for us on the cross, that sinful nature is crucified. Kill. It's dead. There's this holy exchange that's kind of taking place. So my old self, my flesh, my self-centeredness, my self-indulgent self has been crucified. It's kind of like if you're driving your car down 294 and for some reason, someone's coming at you from the other direction, and obviously your brain's going, this is not a good thing. But in a spiritual sense, you're driving down the expressway, doing 65 miles per hour. You're doing your thing. It's all good. It's about me, myself, and I. You see headlights coming from the other direction. So let's picture that in a spiritual sense. Your life, your thing, moving that direction. Someone's coming at you. Someone's coming from the other direction. And there's a boom, head-on collision. 
And this is when it's good if there's a fatality, if it's your self-centeredness, if it's your self-centered nature. Because in a sense, Jesus collides with us head on, and that's what he did in my life. That sinful nature, boom, crucified, dead, gone. All my sinful goals, all my self-exalting myself and my desires, that has been crucified with Christ. Colossians 2, 13 through 14. When you were dead in your sins and in the uncircumcision of your sinful nature, there it is again, God made you alive with Christ. Wow. He forgave us all our sins, having canceled the written code with its regulations that was against us. And that stood opposed to us. He took it away, nailing it to the cross. I have been crucified with Christ. Section two here. As we continue to kind of dig through and, and mine this a little bit. I no longer live. Christ lives in me. I no longer live. Christ lives in me. So, okay, I'm physically, I'm not breathing anymore. Like, well, then why would I come to Jesus if that means, shoop, I'm dead, I'm gone. No. Here's what's no longer living because Christ is living in us. Romans 6, 6 through 7 says this, For we know that our old self was crucified with him so that the body of sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves to sin because anyone who has died has been freed from sin. So the old man, the old self here is gone according to Paul's teaching. And the new man, Christ in me, is calling the shots now. That's now who lives. The old man is gone. The new Christ in me is now here. And so Paul talks about, he, he personifies this as like this, this living, breathing, physical like body. This, this organism that's, that's alive. And he says that thing has been put to death. Because Christ now lives in me. A few weeks ago, we had baptisms here. And, you know, there's the, the, the lowering into the water, the bearing, and then the raising up. And man, we don't necessarily clap for the buried part. Woo! Hope they come up, right? But when they're lifted up, what happens in a church or in a gathering? Man! Woo! Raised up. They no longer live. That old self is gone. It's buried. New life is raised up because of Christ. Because of Christ in me. And the Holy Spirit's going to make this possible. For you to function and move forward, you've got to have the Holy Spirit empowering you, indwelling you, filling you. The Holy Spirit is the source of power. It's the source of guidance. That sinful nature no longer is going to call the shots. The Spirit comes in, and the Spirit controls. The Spirit guides. The Spirit gives life where there's death in us. I no longer live. Christ lives in me. This is a quote from C.S. Lewis in Mere Christianity. Listen to what he says. Imagination time. Ready? 
Imagine yourself as a living house. God comes in to rebuild that house. Now at first, perhaps you can understand what he is doing. He is getting the drains right, and he's stopping the leaks in the roof, and so on. And you knew that those jobs needed doing, and so you're not surprised. But presently, he starts knocking the house about in a way that hurts abominably and does not seem to make any sense. What on earth is he up to? The explanation is that he is building quite a different house from the one you thought of. Throwing out a new wing here, putting on an extra floor there, running up towers, making courtyards. You thought you were being made into a decent little cottage, but he is building a palace. He intends to come and live in it himself. You thought you were being made into this nice little cottage. No. Jesus is building a palace. You and me. And he intends to live in it. Christ living in me. I'm his palace. I'm not his cottage. The third part here, uh, the life I live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God. Uh, 2 Corinthians 5, 7. Could be a very familiar verse to you. Maybe you're hearing this for the very first time tonight. For we live by faith and not by sight. We live by faith and not by sight. And 1 Peter 1, 21. Through him, Jesus, you believe in God who raised him from the dead and glorified him, and so your faith and your hope are in God. So this life, Paul says, that I'm now living in this body, which you physically see this body, it's kind of it's the same Paul. I don't look necessarily any different. I know when I came to Christ, um, I still had blonde hair and, and blue eyes, and, and that's just, it is what it is. You know, I didn't physically, on the outside, change necessarily. But on the inside, there's something that's starting to, to happen. I'm starting to now live by faith, not by sight. I'm living by faith in the Son of God. There's an internal change that's going on. It's, it's this journey of trusting moment by moment in Jesus. Faith in Him. Faith in Jesus Christ. Christ working in and through me. A new heart starts to beat. A heart transplant has taken place. As I live by faith in the Son of God, in Jesus Christ. Okay, the new man again is living. And he is living and he is alive. He's being changed. He is thriving. He realizes he's a palace and not a cottage because I'm living by faith in the Son of God. Is it easy? Mm -mm. Not easy at all. It's a moment by moment, day by day, Decision, decision after decision after decision to live in that way. Because when Jesus came into my life, he physically kept me on this earth because he wants to do things and use me and change me as I live by faith in him. And all that's happened since that moment in high school to now, standing in front of all of you here tonight. I've been living by faith. And at times, 
been a challenge. But he's got me here because of that commitment. And finally, Paul says, talking, to, talking and referring to Jesus here, in Galatians 2.20, who loved me and gave himself for me. Wow. So, the truth of, I've been crucified with Christ, that sinful nature, that old man has, has been destroyed, has been killed, no longer is calling the shots. And I'm no longer alive, he's living in me, and I'm living moment by moment by faith in him. And the foundation of all this is the fact that because Jesus loved me and gave himself for me, those three areas we just talked about are built up upon that for Paul. Because he loved me and gave himself for me, he lives in me. The life I'm living, I'm living by faith in him. Because he loves me and gave himself for me, my sinful nature, that old man, the mess, the junk, gone. That no longer has power and control over my life. The self-giving love of Jesus in no one no one has, is, and will love you like he does. I'm going to make that statement because it's true. Because he demonstrated it. Romans 5.8. How did, why would God care? You tell me, youth pastor guy, God loves me? Really? Prove it. Oh, I can point you to some evidence. I can point you to some things. Romans 5.8. God demonstrated his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners. Christ died for us. While we were still sinners, God acted. God moved. God came to love us. 1 John 3.16. This is how we know what love is. And man, we throw the word love around today. And I know with young people, as I'm ministering to them, as our team works with them on a weekly basis, as I see Facebook posts from young people with the word love in their post, man, it's, it's a little scary because I don't think we know what the word really means anymore because it's thrown around in all these different ways in our culture. The scripture says, this is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us. We ought to lay down our lives for our brothers. There's love. And everything else that doesn't reflect that, it's not love. It's emotions, it's feelings, you name it. Jesus loved us in that way. He loved me and gave himself for me. And so to conclude, some questions. And, and, and these are questions that people in this church had to think about and ask themselves, and we still do today because we've got some of the same challenges and some of the same issues as these people did, even today. Here's some questions. How do you become acceptable to God? Like, how do you get acceptance from God? Another question. What do you do to earn the favor of God? What do I, what do any of us need to do to earn God's favor? Last question. How do any of us, how do I become a part 
of God's family. You know what the answer is to those three questions? It's kind of a simple answer, but it's also a very difficult one for us at the same time. There is nothing that any of us can or need to do to be accepted by God, to earn His favor, and to be a part of His family. Only Christ could do, has done, what must be done for us to be a yes, a yes, we're accepted, we have favor, we're a part of the family because of this. This is a table of decision. We come up to this table, I pray, and we see this cross, and we look at that, and Jesus says, see this, see this, you eat and you drink because of what I've done for you. I love you. I accept you. You're a part of my family. When you eat and drink, and when that cross is before you, remember what I did. And remember this. It's not that plus this, and plus this, and plus this that earns your favor and your acceptance and your love from God. Paul says to these folks who are coming to Christ, but then they were being pressured. Well, that's great. You have accepted Jesus, but don't forget the law. Keep all the I's dotted. Keep all the T's crossed. You still got to keep at that. You got to keep working. Got to keep working. And Paul says, it's not Jesus plus works. It's not Jesus plus this and that and the other. It's Jesus Christ and the gospel, and it's the cross and what he did for us. We cannot add anything onto that, and as hard as we want to, because in this culture, you work hard, you get what you work for, and you earn it, and that's how it happens. And Jesus says, that doesn't work in my economy. And that drives us crazy. Drives, us cra- drives me crazy at times. Jesus says, I've done it all. And I don't want to miss this last verse, right after verse 20, in Galatians 2.20. I do not set aside the grace of God, for if righteousness could be gained through the law, Christ died for nothing. Powerful statement. I don't set his grace aside. Because if my righteousness is gained by law keeping, rule keeping, checking everything off on a daily basis, then that was ridiculous what he did for us. People, Church, there, now, and for the future. I just thank the Lord for this verse that has just kind of attached itself to me. And it's here, and I'm trying to get it here so that when I live, it's not just a life verse that's on a screen in front of you, but it's how I live. I get my identity from this, And Lord Jesus, help me to live this out in my daily life. In a nutshell, the old me died. Gone. Out of here. The new me has been living for about 18, 19 years now. The life you guys see me living, I live by the Holy Spirit's power. 
I got to rely on that. I got to lean into that. And Jesus is the one who loved me first, and he's going to love me to the end. It's my life first. Galatians 2, chapter 20. And that's what that verse means to me and has meant to me and will continue to mean for me for the rest of my life. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you for the opportunity to stand in your church tonight and to share this verse. And I pray, God, that um, this, this truth can resonate and impact and awaken us to the, to the truth that, God, when we, when we encounter your Son, Jesus Christ, we can't walk away looking and acting the same. Lord, that is, that is a heavy, powerful collision that's taken place. And so, Lord, I just pray in our own lives that um, for some here that maybe this verse would become a verse that they embrace for themselves, that they'll make a decision for that old self to be gone and to move forward, God, in the new life that you pr promise and give us as you reside in us and empower us by the Holy Spirit to be your people. And so, Lord, thank you for this opportunity to... Um, to share your truth here tonight. I pray it has gone out, it will deposit itself in, in our hearts and in our minds and stay with us tonight, tomorrow, Monday, Tuesday, each day, God. Lord, thank you. Thank you for this opportunity and, and for this verse that you have given to me to make for my life first and to be able to, to teach on that tonight. So I thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Pastor Darrell, please come forward. Pastor Mike, know how much you appreciate him.